March 19th, 2018. Welcome to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Ramtran. Hey, everyone. I like talking like this all of a sudden. I think it would be nice if I had the maturity to talk like this. This kind of sounds like I know what I'm talking about. But inside my head, I am screaming. There is a bloody war being waged inside my brain at the moment because I don't know how to sound like myself. I've been going through like an interesting thing where it's like um, I'm very happy in my personal life. My personal life is great, you know. I'm very grateful for where I am in my life, and I'm happy. For like the first time in, I don't even know when. Thank you, Lord. Truly. But when I'm doing my comedy, you know, when I'm performing, there's like this angsty kind of fast-paced kind of nature to it. I don't even know if I want to call it nature, because I don't even know if it's natural. Maybe. Yeah, it's natural. I mean, I I guess, you know, it's like from all my years of drinking and doing drugs. When I say drugs, I mean like smoking pot, the occasional line of blow, like occasional. I did cocaine like maybe 20 times in my life. I did MDMA like two or three times. I I smoked... uh, What's that shit called? <laughs> uh, salvia, you know that weird ass shit? I, I smoked salvia, like, and that's a fucking mind trip, man. Like, I remember I smoked salvia once and I thought I was on a roller coaster. I knew I wasn't, but I was tripping the fuck out. I was sitting in a field. I'm like, holy shit, I'm on a roller coaster. Uh. And like the clouds were getting all kind of like claymation looking. Like you ever see like a claymation film or... You know, like, or Clay Fighter. Do you remember that video game for Super Nintendo? Claymation Fighter or whatever it was called, Clay Fighter. Like, the sky was looking all, like, claymation, the clouds and stuff, and I thought I was on a roller coaster. No, I was just smoking salvia, you know. No big deal. I even ate a gram of it once. Didn't do shit to me. Um, What else did I do? I, uh, I took mushrooms several times. Probably too many times to count. No, not that many. I probably did mushrooms, like, maybe... Yeah, like maybe in the neighborhood of like 20 times. No, not even. Who knows? Probably less than that. Less than 20 times, but I did mushrooms a fair bit. Smoked uh, opium. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I smoked hash. Smoked hash a bunch. So I wasn't really a hardcore drug person. But I guess from my years of drinking, which I am an alcoholic, from my years of drinking and my years of... Um, you know, dabbling with, you know, my years of experimentation, so to speak, I started to develop like a 
combative nature with the audience going on stage because it was a way to like balance out my insecurity of number one being a you know fairly new comic I mean when I started doing stand-up comedy I had been acting for a while but um and I had a diploma in theater arts at the time too but I had you know stand-up comedy is completely different it really is you know I had the arrogance to think it was the same shit I even thought stand-up comedy was lower than um acting and I don't know man I I don't want to you know I want to have respect for it all you know what I mean because I, I truly love them both but you know stand-up comedy is no cakewalk so and my attitude at the time was like um you know it's beneath me or whatever <laughs> it really was it was like I was like resigned to do stand-up comedy because I I was living in Toronto Canada my mom died so I moved back to Edmonton, Alberta to be with my family. And um, it wasn't because of my mother that I moved back, you know, to be fair. Like, my career wasn't really happening. I wasn't really making any money. And when that thing happened in my family, it was just a better idea for me to go home and be around my family and friends. So, like, I can't put my career stalling on my mother's death, like when my career was stalling, it, it was because my career was stalling, was, was, was Stalin, it was in Stalingrad, you know, dying in the war in the winter. But um, no, my career was just stalling. And um, I had to move back to Edmonton because I just had nothing better to do in Toronto. And um, it was better to be around my friends and family. So when I started doing stand-up comedy was after kind of having some failures as a actor. And I don't even want to call it failures. I mean, it was just just a learning curve, really. It's like it's a career that, you know, it ain't for the faint of heart. You know, you're in it for life. You know, like when you get the acting bug, the performing bug, you got the bug. And it's in you for life and you got to ride it out. And if you don't ride it out, you're in for a world of pain. Once you get that acting bug, once you get that performing bug, 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 <clears throat> once you get that bug, you're in it for life. And if you don't nurture it, if you don't try to tame that beast, then it's just going to haunt you, right? You can't turn your back on something that you care about, right? And um, so there I was. I was in Edmonton. I was doing stand-up, and I was uh, thinking it was beneath me for some reason. Not beneath me, but just... You know, in my mind, it was to be an actor. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be like, you know. I even looked up to like guys that did like Royal Shakespeare uh, Conservatory or Academy or whatever the fuck it's called. You know, some Shakespearean fucking coitus, panty, pantaloon, tight wearing vest, feather in your cap type of shit. You know, like that fucking uh, Rod Stewart or no, um, what's that name? Magneto or no, no, um. Charles Xavier, that 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 queer tard who was in the in the wheelchair in X Men, that that you know that you know that guy, that Homo sapien, what the fuck is his name, you know Patrick Stewart, yeah that that cuckold, him, and like you know um, that other weirdo, the wizard, you know. Thou shalt not pass. Thou shalt not pass. Thou shalt not pass. That dude. Ian McKellen, those guys studied, like, Shakespeare and stuff, so, like, I wanted to be, like, a hardcore actor. I was into, like, Shakespeare and 
Uh, you know, Eugene O'Neill, David Mamet, um, you know, Bugsy Siegel, um, those type of people who did like, um, you know, hardcore theater stuff. And um, so when I started doing stand up, it was kind of like, um, I didn't, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, I probably can do it. <laughs> so I, I came at it with like, fuck you people, you guys aren't actors, or you guys don't know what you're doing or whatever, right? So you guys don't know how to perform, right? So like I, I, I came in with the most arrogance that um, it was just like I didn't even want to be there. Basically, I'm just like ah oh, fuck, this comedy stuff. This is gonna be fucking brutal, and I don't want to do it, but I'll do it if it gets me to being an actor or whatever, right? So, um, but then conversely, I found out that um, it's actually very hard. <laughs> it's very competitive, and it's also like the best the best man you're your own writer performer producer you meet a lot of cool interesting like-minded people and it's humor it cleanses the soul and um but like i say the point being when i came into comedy i was very angst ridden you know my mother had died and i was doing a lot of drinking and smoking pot and other uh, paraphernalia. So um, I was very angst-ridden. So, like, um, I was very charged up and combative with the audience, and, you know, it was a way to mask my insecurities as a performer and to shit on them and point the finger at them. But now I'm in, like, the greatest place I've ever been in my life. I'm, like, over a year sober. I'm, like, one year and four months sober, I'm doing the podcast, I'm working out, I'm uh, doing shows, um, I work little temporary gigs as like a furniture mover, and it keeps me in shape, and the people like me, and it's calm, peaceful environment, everything's just calm and cool, you know, just want to make love to the whole world and all her girlfriends, and no, not really, I got like screamed at on Twitter, you fucking pig, if anybody even knew who I was, you know, they'd like, you know, fucking put a fucking harpoon through my throat for even saying that. You have a sex drive, you fucking heathen. I redact that. Let me edit that. I don't want to make love to the whole world and all her girlfriends. I want to, work, I want to make love to the universe and all her girlfriends. I want to fuck an alien this year. But anyway, um, you know, I just, you know, I'm in a really cloud nine type of place. And <laughs> it's kind of strange because now it's like, when I go on stage, I'm not, like, I am angry. Like, for example, I saw a guy crossing the street the other day, right? And he was boasting to his girlfriend, right? He's just like, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho, like, oh, I'm so, like, uh, like, important at work. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, like, I have over, like, 500 pieces of documentation to review. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just like, I only need one page of documentation to tell that you're a fucking dildo. And it was either that or kick him into traffic, right? But that's the point. It's like... It's in my head to be angry and combative. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm generally like that. But in my spirit, I'm a fucking saint, you know? Like, I'm a Saint Bernard. You know, remember Beethoven? Roll over, Beethoven! Beethoven second? Beethoven, that Saint Bernard? Like, um, why did I say that? But oh, yeah, I'm like a Saint Bernard. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, they're very saint-like. I'm very sanctimonious lately. Sanctimonious. And, um... I'm just really happy. So it's like when I go on stage, it's strange because it's like I want to get into that angst-ridden, screaming, 
belligerent fucking place where I was when I was high as fuck and drunk on stage screaming at bachelorettes and stuff. But it's not really coinciding with where I am in my life, which is like, I'm in bliss, you know? Heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. And I finally found the knock-knock jokes and cocks in the mouth that I seek. Which I don't seek, actually. When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. <clears throat> so it's like, I'm happy. <laughs> but hey, you know what I man? What a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. You know what, man? I'll figure it out, you know what I mean? I'll figure out my um, je ne sais quoi, patois, persona gratis. Persona gratis, personality. I'll figure it out. But I did get a haircut. Da -da -da. I'm a new me. I got a haircut uh, on Saturday, which was pretty blessed. My barber is really good. He's good. He's good at what he does, man. He's like this old Trini dude, right? Boy, how you doing, man? Him things and such like that. He's like this old Trinidadian dude. And like he really like brings me back to my, um, I guess, my roots. Every now and then it's nice to hear like somebody that's like, you know, from your tribe. Even though I love everybody, like I said, I just want to make love to the whole universe and all the aliens. I love everyone. But um, it's kind of nice to, you know, be around people that... Um, you kind of connect with culturally, I guess, so to speak. That's not being so um, dismissive of others. Can we agree that sometimes it's nice to be around people that, you know, share some of your heritage? And um, this dude, you know, he's an old Trinidadian dude. Hey, there, boy, and them things like that, Jonathan. Right? So I go get my hair cut. But, like, he's kind of insane. That's another thing. Like, I, the Trinidadian people are, generally speaking, pretty mental. Like, I mean, my entire fucking family had mental illness and weirdo tactics and behaviors and shit, right? This uh, barber of mine, he's no different, right? Like, the last time I went and saw him, you know, I go to the barber shop. I'm sitting there, and, like, his boss, this lady, she runs the parlor. She's like, oh, I just wait a minute. Um, let me call him. And she didn't think I can hear, right? And she gets on the phone, right? She's like, where the fuck are you? You've been gone for, like, two hours. Where the hell are you? Where the hell are you? Sorry, I, like, almost burped there. Oh, one second. Pardon moi. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, so like, uh, she's like, yeah, where the hell are you? And she's screaming at him on the cell phone. Finally, he shows up, right? He's like, oh, hey, damn man, how you doing? I was just over there playing tennis, boy. I'm like, what? I was just over there playing some tennis, man. You know, I'll be hitting the ball and things like that, man. And the lady did like they do it back up, back the back the fuck up and blop. And he's like miming doing like a tennis shot. The man's sixty years old for Christ's sakes. I'm just looking at him like, what? You're playing tennis? I wouldn't even trust you with a ping pong paddle. What the fuck you mean you're playing tennis? And like um <laughs> so anyways, like he's just kind of strange that way. He like dips out from work to go play tennis. And um but anyways, not only only that, he's like a sexual sadist. He's a fucking pervert. He's always, like, talking about sex and shit. Actually, not always. Sometimes we talk about, like, canaries and birds because, like, we both share a love of pets and animals. Like, that's one of the reasons why we also connect, right? Not just because we're Trinidadian. Yeah, man, the Trinidadian boy and things and wind it up, man. But, like, um, we also connect on the fact that we both love animals. Like, um, uh, I had a pet frog, right? And 
poor little bugger. He passed away. Um, if you want to check out episode number six of JR the podcast, Jonathan Ramtran the podcast, uh, I believe it's episode six, Norris the Frog, he passed away. <laughs> I eulogize him a little bit. But anyway, um, we both share a love of animals. Um, my barber and I, he collects, um, <coughs> collects, <coughs> that sounds kind of perverse. You know, do you collect animals or do you have pets? Do you like, hey, do you have a pet? No, I collect animals. <laughs> What's your name? Norman Bates. Anyway, um, he has like canaries and birds and shit and he takes them to like bird, um, he actually competes in like bird, um, what do you call that? Bird shows or whatever. I don't know, talent shows bird talent shows yeah he competes in them well the birds compete <laughs> he coaches them though he's like yeah boy them things like that you know them them birds they be standing up real proud man you know you know you stick the chin out and they flap the the, the wings back and they just stand in there like that man them boys he's like he's like imitating he's like imitating a bird like, I find this shit fascinating, you know, because, you know, I'm a comedian. I don't want to hear anything about weather and, you know, what you think about, you know, you know, your wife's cooking. Like, I don't give a shit. Tell me about birds. <laughs> so then um, he's going off about his bird training camps and how he, how he takes his little canaries or whatever to um, these competitions. And he won a few of them, right? And I was like, oh, wow, you know, congratulations. So, you know, I was, I was pretty proud of him for that. But he's also like a sexual sadist. Like, you know, the other day, like just this past fucking Saturday when I went to get my hair cut, right? He'd be like, boy, did you know this? Women be fucking their dogs, man. The woman, she be fucking her dogs. Did you know that? I was like, no, I didn't know that. Women, what? He goes, women be fucking their dogs, man. You didn't know that? I knew that before I came to Canada, man. These women, they be fucking their dogs, boy. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, man, look at this. And he, like, pulls out his, like, um, cell phone. And he, he proceeds to show me all these, like, bestiality videos. Like, this sweet young ting. She's, like, fucking 19-year-old gorgeous, like, um, fucking mocha, stringy-haired, fucking, I guess, crack addict or something. Anyway, she's fucking a dog, right? And, like, I turn away, right, because I don't watch porn. I haven't even watched porn in over, um, like, that's how clean my spirit is. That's how good I feel as a comedian. So it breaks my heart because I can't, like, indulge in this perversity because, like, you know, I got a love for God. I'm sober and shit like that. And it just breaks my heart because, like, we could connect on a, such a deeper level if I was more, like, you know, drug addicted and an alcoholic as I used to be. But, like, ugh, it just breaks my heart. Because he's trying to show me this dog video of, like, this chick fucking a dog. And I'm just like, I don't want to see that. So I kind of like, but, you know, I, I was respectful. You got to respect your elders. So I just kind of turned my head away, right? And he's like, look at this boy. She be fucking a dog, man. The dog be like, rough, 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 fucking her, man. Yeah, man. Women be fucking dogs, boy. And I was like, okay, so about the haircut, um, I'm thinking kind of like, you know, Will Smith in I Am Legend. Like, I'm trying to get his mind back into, like, the haircut, right? But, like, he's, like, shepherding me all these fucking videos of, like, animal fucking, right? So, anyway, and then, like, he starts going off about, like, um, you know, the women in the parlor, right? Mind you, yeah, as well, at this moment, there's like fucking 20 women sitting around waiting, no, maybe not 20, like, I don't know, 10, 10 women sitting around waiting to get, um, you know, different, 
nails and hairs and whatever titty enhancements like shit done right like there it's a it's you know it's a it's a it's a, it's a hair parlor right so like there's all these women sitting around and shit right he'd be like look at that one over there boy that one he like points in the mirror right as i'm sitting in the chair and i was like that one that one yes that one <clears throat> which one that one that one oh, th- oh that th- that one that one that one over there, boy. There's something wrong with her, man. She be always coming in here looking like that. Look, you know, that that stone-faced bitch woman. There's uh, something wrong with that one, boy. There's something wrong with her. You know, I think about getting her a dog. A German Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to buy her a German Shepherd. And I was like, hey, that's mighty fine of you, sir. So then, you know, then he starts going on and on again about his love life, right? That's another thing, you know, he's a very sensitive guy, you know, I think you have to be to be a hairdresser. But anyways, he's a very sensitive um, man as well. And he's like, you know, man, I talked to this woman and she be not calling, man. I, I talked to this woman and she, she just not be calling. You know, I told her, you know, whatever time you want to go to the movie, take the movie, check the movie. You pick the movie and the time and then we go. She'd not be calling, man. What the fuck? Do you think she's going to be calling? I'm like, well, I certainly hope she calls, but I, I guess I wouldn't know. He goes, yes, that's the truth, man. That's the truth. You don't know and I don't know, man. But that's what's been killing me, man. Is she going to call? I was like, ah, oh, tough break, kid. So anyways, about this haircut, you know, kind of like, you know, um, I'm thinking like, you know, Denzel Washington, Man on Fire. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get his mind back into this haircut for Christ's sakes, right? But you know what I say, like my heart's with God and I try to listen to all his creatures, even if they want to talk about sex acts between animals, you know, uh, who am I to, you know, <clears throat> anyway. So then, um, <laughs> like I said, he's a very sensitive soul too, right? He's still going on and on about his like love life. And he goes, oh, no, man, I don't know she's going to call you know, I think she's going to leave me for a dog. <laughs> she's going to leave me for a dog. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm thinking like Samuel L. Jackson, Pulp Fiction. Maybe we do like, you know, like a fucking jerry curl. So finally I get the haircut done and it looks bomb diggity. And that's why I go back to him, man. He's a, you know, he's a Trinidadian man, true and true. He's, um... A funny man, very funny man, with his crazy sex theories. And he's a canary trainer, which is honorable, you know. And, uh, yeah, I got my wicked haircut. Wicked boy, damn, damn, I don't even know what that meant. Sounds gangster, right? Anyway, um, yeah, the haircut went well, but um, that's my barber in a nutshell. And I also wanted to talk to you guys about um, the Festival of Lights. I went to the Festival of Lights um, about uh, two weeks ago now. I forgot to mention that. I wanted to tell you guys about that. You guys know about the Festival of Lights? I think it's like a, originally like an Indian thing um, from India, I think. It's just, I don't know, like a month-long, two-month, year-long millennia long I don't know how long it goes but it's like a light festival and um, they celebrate light I guess and it's usually like in like uh, I guess the the winter solstice or like the 
I just said winter solstice to sound like a smart white person who like knows about things. I have no idea what the winter solstice is or when it is or why the festival of lights happen. All I know is that there were lights. Turn up the lights in here, baby. <clears throat> so I went down to see it and it was balling. But like what I realized too was like, um, like I said, I'm going to my happy place where the flowers grow. I should be back in an hour or so. I'm like very happy these days and um, I just, uh, you know, I realize what a lot of these festivals are, they're just excuses for people to get together. They're just excuses for people to get together with their kids because it was whack, man. I go there, there's a bunch of light bulbs and lampposts. I'm like, who gives a fuck about any of this? I'm looking around like, what in the fuck? Like I thought my life would be changed and I'd be like spiritually charged. No, it's just a bunch of lights and shit. Exactly what they said it was. A festival of lights. Christmas tree ornaments and shit. This was ridiculous. I'm looking around. What the fuck? And like, oh my God, it was in the distillery district too. They had the goddamn gall, the nerve to hold the festival of lights in the distillery district. Now I say the gall and the nerve because like I'm an alcoholic. So like I have to like revolve everything around me. But I mean, it makes sense for them, you know, hold it there, get people spending money and enjoying themselves and um, communicating. You know, it's nothing wrong with alcohol if you can handle it. I can't handle it. But it gave an extra pang of pain to my heart, right? I'm like walking around, looking at all these fucking people getting drunk and staring at lights and shit. I'm by myself, just low, low down, lazy, low down, shiftless, rotten person. I'm feeling kind of low. And, um, but yeah, you know, it made me realize that the Festival of Lights is just really an excuse for people to get together and hang out with their friends and family. It was beautiful. And I saw this one light. Because like I was starting to feel like on the ropes, right? I'm like, oh, I feel so lonely and weird and just kind of like out of place. And like, I don't feel connected to people, even though I do and I don't. Like at that moment, I wasn't, right? Because it was like I was, my confidence was fleeting. My sense of um, stillness was fleeting. I started to feel very like alone and dejected and kind of shunned. Because, you know, like I said, it's in the distillery district and everyone... It just was a reminder, oh, you know, you can't be in that lifestyle anymore, right? And I just kind of felt apart from the festivities, right? But then I saw this one light display, and it was the word perspective. The word perspective, and it was like, it was displayed in like a incrementally enlarged perspective you know it was like it went from like a small letter p to a large letter e at the end of perspective if you know how to spell perspective p-e-r-s-p-e-c-t-i-v-e i hope that was right anyways the e at the end of perspective was like the largest and the p at the beginning was the smallest right so it it, it, it gradually got bigger to emphasize the concept of perspective. And um, it just made me think, yeah, you know, like I gotta have more perspective. And like, that's what a festival is. It's just for people to get together. It doesn't matter if it's a light festival or a darkness festival or like, um, a, you know, a pina colada festival where everyone gets drunk and act like morons or if it's a coffee festival when everybody sips coffee and talks about politics. Like it's, it's a festival, it's a time for people to get together. And it was beautiful, man, these little kids running around and shit. And, you know, you could tell that the people were there, they're not stupid people. I like, you know, I used to criticize people a lot. 
like I told you, like I was a very angsty, alcoholic kind of person for a while, and I used to criticize people a lot for their, um, you know, it's like, oh, look at these idiots. They're going to the Festival of Lights. yippity you hoo oh, the Festival of Lights. <laughs> right? But really, it's just, like I say, they're there for their family and friends, man. These people aren't stupid. They, you know, they're probably just as mildly interested as I was. But it was just a reason for them to go and be with their family and stuff. And you know what I mean? Even my reporting on this subject isn't completely true. Because, you know, some people might have enjoyed the light show. They might have thought it was really cool. Because there was some pretty, like, you know, interesting and uh, out there displays of lights. I mean, I remember this one. It was like this, this guy's head. It was just like this big, like, sculpture of a man's head. And it had, like, light bulbs all over it and shit. And, like, it was blinking on and off. I guess somebody was standing there by the light slit switch, just, like, flipping the switch on and off. It was pretty cool. Then there was, like, this Viking ship. And, like, there was, like, a DJ on the Viking ship. And, like, there was all these people, like, twirling, um, like, fire and blowing fire. And I guess, yeah, wow. I never even thought about that. There was, like, an extra component to the light show. Because, like, they go from, like, you know, contemporary light work, which is, like, you know, I guess electricity, light bulbs, LEDs, shit like that. Then they brought it back to, like, um, traditional light sources with, like, um, you know, fire. They're twirling fire about and shit. Pretty entertaining. And they're on a Viking ship with a DJ. You know, that's pretty baller. I mean, like, I mean, who am I to criticize that? But like I said, I was pretty bored because I'm a washed-up drunk, and that's all I could really think of. I'm like, how come everybody gets to drink and I don't? Actually, I didn't think that at all because, like, you know, I'm relieved of my compulsion to drink. But the thought was fleeting. It was in my head for sure. And, um, yeah, like I say, um, growing pangs, you know, and perspective. A lot of changed perspective for sure. And I was just, you know thinking about that because I thought it was kind of an interesting thing I could report about. The Light Festival. Get to one near you. I think they come out every, um, every, uh, what? Every, uh, March or something like that. Anyways, before I get out of here, I want to quickly tell you guys about a couple books I'm reading. Um, I just finished reading, um, the Power of Positivity. Great book by um, Mr. Norman Peel. Just give me one second. One second. <clears throat> it's right here, actually, in front of me. Yeah. By Dr. Norman Peel. The Power of Positivity by Mr. Norman Vincent Pele Peel. First published in 1956, I believe. That book changed a lot of my perspective as of late, you know? Like, I mean, I got a lot of different tactics for dealing with um, my, uh, my new life. And um, positivity is definitely one that I got to keep in mind. I got to keep positive. And um, this book really taught me different, um, you know, it outlined a lot of what I already knew, but put into... Um, put into like a practical sense, you know, um, it talks a lot about just, um, how to deal with, um, you know, I can't even really, well, I can basically just positivity. Think about it, man. Life is full of challenges. 
You got to be somebody in your life, right? You got to be yourself. You got to be a co-worker. You got to be a spouse. You got to be a friend. You got to be um, a dog fucker. You got to be all these things, right? And how do you gauge that, right? How do you rise to the challenges in your life? Do you go about it with a sense of ease, a sense of comfort, a sense of familiarity, like a well-worn hat? Or are you as stubborn as a stick in the mud? Like, what are you? Are you being pushed or are you being pulled? And basically, he just breaks down the idea of using positive thinking to better yourself, to lower your anxiety level, to be a better friend, to be a better spouse. And um, it's very practical. So I recommend that to anybody out there. The positive, the power of positivity. Oh, wait, no. The power of positive thinking. You got to learn how to think positively. The power of positive thinking. Other book that I'm reading right now is, um, I'm about to start reading actually, is Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. And that's a book about um, global warming and the environment. And it was like one of the first of its kind when it came out in like the 70s. It recently went through its 40th anniversary, I believe. So I'm going to read about it. I'm very interested in climate change. I want to get out there and, uh, well, I want to be a part of the solution. You know what I mean? I think people have to raise their consciousness, consciousness, consciousness about um, the planet and um, just do the best we can right? And um, I think in reading that, it'll help me kind of, you know, take up a new challenge, take up a new um, cause in my life, you know what I mean? For, you know, not that I have many causes other than to be a comedian, but um, (laughs) yeah, really, that's like my only cause. What do you stand for? Uh, Comedy. Oh yeah, and the environment. But yeah, it's going to be something interesting for me to learn about and try to like, you know, help the planet if I can, right? And uh, I encourage everybody to get out there and be positive and be an advocate for your environment, okay? Food for thought. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtram reporting live for duty on this March 19th, 2018. My barber likes watching videos about dogs fucking each other, but I don't. Hit me up on the podcast, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Send me your questions. Send me your queries. Send me your qualms. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Jesus Christ. This is a beautiful, sunny day. And um, thank you to every denomination of faith and being. Go be positive. Go care about the environment. And I'll talk to you next time. All right? Bye-bye.